Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Go Outdoors podcast. My name is Ramon, your host, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Alex Castingway, aka Mr. Swamp Rat Fishing. What's cool about having Alex as my first guest is I was his first guest on his podcast, uh, Bass and Brews, which most of you are most likely very familiar with. But before we get into the podcast, I do want to read a review of the podcast. That's right. We already have a review. And if you write a review wherever you get your podcast, I will read it right here in the intro. So please do me a favor. Review it wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts. Um, give it a, a rating on Spotify, Google, wherever it is you get your podcast. And I will read it here. So the first review uh, is by me. And of course, it's my podcast. So I gave myself a five-star review and the review itself is it's my podcast so i'm gonna give it five stars and with that said we're gonna go ahead and jump right into it alex has an awesome story he actually gives me two stories so i hope you guys enjoy this episode with swamp rat fishing awesome man thank you for joining i thought it only fitting to have you be the first episode thank you man you were nice enough to have me be the first episode for bass and brews so um yeah how about you introduce yourself to everyone and um we can get into it yeah so uh i'm alex with swamp rat fishing you can find me on instagram uh the tiki talks uh youtube uh i do a bunch of kayak specific uh kayak fishing videos there I'm also one of the hosts of the Bass and Brews Fishing Podcast uh, with my good friend, Paul. But uh, yeah, dude, I just want to say it's an honor. Uh, stoked to be on here. I know you've been uh, brewing brewing this up for a while, so I'm really excited. Sweet, man. So um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, this podcast is um, for listeners who are new to the outdoors. Um, and selfishly, it's for me um, who doesn't get the opportunity to talk to too many outdoors men and women. So, I mean, with that, the, the whole point of this podcast is we share stories and kind of get more information based off of that. Because what I found is people learn generationally, people learn through telling stories. So that's the whole purpose of this podcast. So with that said, Alex, what do you like to do outdoors? Yeah. So, uh, primarily I kayak fish, um, and specifically kayak fish. I did start by beating the banks and uh, there's, there's definitely some pros to that. It's a lot easier. You don't have to lug a big kayak with you. But uh, as soon as I got into a kayak, I was like, this is for me. Super low maintenance. I don't have to like lug around a trailer or any of that stuff. Like with a boat, you can get out there, you can get accessible to areas. Other people don't have to, even if, even if they're in a boat, uh, but then being able to like sit out there, and this little tiny piece of plastic floating around, just really enjoying like the scenery and the outdoors and the whole atmosphere. That's kind of my jam. That's what's up, man. So um, what got you started? Like who or what was it a person? What made you want to get out there? Because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you didn't kayak fish, you didn't bass fish up until recently, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, backstory on me, originally, I'm from Washington State. So growing up, fishing was a kind of a constant thing I did with my grandfather all the time as a kid. 
Um, and even when he moved up to Alaska, we, I got to continue that during summers, go up there and fish for salmon and halibut and giant rainbows, all that fun stuff. And then, uh, around 16, 17 years old, it just kind of went away. And, uh, I didn't start again in two until 2016. Um, I just moved back to New Jersey and I said, I need a, I, I'd always been somebody who dabbled in a lot of hobbies before, and I would definitely try stuff multiple times to try to find something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try fishing. I used to do it as a kid. And uh, when I caught, it was my first time out ever, you know, since I was a kid, this is in 2016. And uh, I caught a bluegill and I was like, I mean, it was just a tiny bluegill. I caught him on a big old giant. Uh, it was a 3.5 KVD square bill. Like one oh, of those wow. deep diving square bills. I was throwing from shore with a spinning rod that had just straight braid. And I, I was, I was throwing it in a pond where the deep, you know, the deepest it gets is eight foot. And I was throwing this like 25 foot, <laughs> just grinding it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I caught a bluegill somehow, like actually got him in the mouth. And I was like, Nope, this is it. This is for me. And then, uh, and then once I got that kayak, that would be in 2017 around uh, tax return time in 2017. Oh yeah. I, Best uh, time of the year. Exactly. Right. Um, I picked up a kayak and um, we kind of talked earlier today. It's a little scary that first time you go out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was a oh, little yeah. like, I watched, I watched tons of videos. I'm like, I got this and I get out. And as soon as I got away from the shore, I was like, Oh no, this is amazing. This is like, it opens up so much more water. And then just the whole like therapy of being in the outdoors in that kind of craft. I was like, Nope, this is it. This is something I want to do forever. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, it, it's funny. Um, this won't go up until later, but yeah, I took the kayak out for the first time today and immediately I was like, just don't dump the kayak. Just don't. Yeah. Dump it. Cause I, I know eventually it's going to happen, but I don't want it to happen the first time. Uh, you know what? Knock on wood, man. Uh, I've been kayak fishing for four years. I have yet to tip them over. And I had that, uh, that, uh, Ascend 10 T from Bass Pro okay. for the bulk of it. Yeah. I that's a popular one. Later. It is cause it's cheap. It's like, mm -hmm. and you get a lot of features, but it's cheap and it's light. It's only like 40 pounds. It's, oh yeah. That's not too bad. It's a good little boat, but I was standing like setting, setting the hook in a fish and I still didn't tip that thing over. Wow. So. No, I didn't, I didn't have the, uh, I, I didn't have the guts to stand in the kayak today. I was like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna take it easy today. Baby steps. Um, yeah, exactly. So what was, and you can go either first mm -hmm. or favorite time sure. you had outdoors. Like what was one that whenever you're sitting around and you're thinking, oh man, that time was great. One that yeah. you tell everybody about, what is that one story that you have? Yeah, so I think you know where I'm going to go with this. This was earlier this year uh, when I caught my PB. Um, and, and not only was it because I caught my PB, it's just how the whole day kind of broke out. Like, So I have the old town now, the old town uh, Topwater 120. And uh, I took it through its paces the, the year before, the summer before. I took it all over the place and really wanted to dial in how I wanted everything. And I kind of always tell people, like, definitely take your time in your boat, in your kayak, take that thing out multiple times until you start really fine tuning. So this trip, like I had everything exactly where I needed it. I had the bait storage was perfect. Everything was perfect on the boat. Um, I go out and the river that I normally fish is a tidal river. So uh, it, it doesn't happen a lot because I don't really base my times when I'm going to go out on the tides. I just go so, out when so I go So real quick, out. for those who don't know, can you explain what a tidal river is? Cause I don't know. Yeah, not a problem. So uh, 
So where I fish at, it's, it's affected by the tides, the ocean tides. This is a river that leads directly to the ocean. But the salinity line isn't like the whole river itself isn't salt water. And it's not even brackish water. At some point in time, and brackish water means a mixing of salt water and fresh water together. So you basically have a salinity line. And that salinity line will shift as the seasons change. So as the water gets colder, that salinity line will move farther upriver into more fresh water. And as summer hits, as the water gets hotter, your salinity line is going to move closer to the ocean. So, um, but it's all affected by tides. It can be fresh water. So where I fish, we've got, you know, crappie, bluegill, largemouth, chain pickerel, all these freshwater fish. Uh, but every once in a while, we'll get like striper that run through there. The farther you go down close to the salinity line, you can get bluefish, fluke, like white perch everywhere. Nice. So get a good, a good amount of different type of species. Oh, and I'm telling you what, like there's a, no matter what, when you go onto a tidal body of water, it's like fishing new all over again. Like you can find your spots, but tides are going to change everything. The fish are going to position different as the water flows up river and down river. They're actually, their body's going to shift around whatever structure or cover. Um, and then it'll even change their attitude. If there's no movement, that's like the worst time. You want some kind of flowing water. They want that. If there's nothing, they get all freaked out. But you could have a dropout low tide where your tide drops and now everything that you're going to fish is now high and dry. Or you can be super flooded up. And uh, I got a video way back where I had a famous uh, lawn chair pattern where I was catching fish off this lawn chair because the water had gone up into somebody's yard. And there was like That's a metal awesome. lawn chair and they were all around the legs of the lawn chair. But the tides were actually good this day. Um, There's going to be not a lot of slack. Like basically me launching is when there was going to be no movement. And then the tide was going to be dropping out the entire time. So I knew it was going to be a good productive day. This is in the pre-spawn. Um, this is like pre-pre-spawn. Like again, so these fish are different because they're on a tidal. They're going to shift to parts unknown. They're almost impossible to find. They, they sit in big, deep holes all winter and don't really venture out. But this is like they're moving up. They're hungry. They've already had a couple weeks to like gorge themselves. So you know you're going to get like your biggest fish. And uh, so I went out. What was great about that day, so I mentioned I had everything dialed in. Uh, and by that, I mean, I even had a net. But I also did not use the net because I'm an idiot. Anybody who watches my stuff knows that I for some reason, hate using that net. I'll have it laid out perfectly in front of me. And I still don't use it. So this day, it was kind of slow. I picked off a couple little buck bass. And then I get to one area that's really productive normally. And I hook into a fish. And uh, man, this it was a big fish. It was at least five plus pounds bass that I watched. Uh, my medium pole, it's a bait caster rod, but he literally doubled that rod up instantly came up, basically said hi, gave a head shake, and uh, spit the hook. Oof. And I was devastated. Like, literally devastated. <clears throat> and uh, when something like that happens, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I get into a funk, and I try not to think about it. But I'm like, I thought that was going to ruin the whole trip. Like, I was down. I went back to another area. I picked off a couple more. So, like, numbers-wise, I'm good. At that point, I think I had, like, five fish already in the boat. Nothing over two pounds. Yeah, and it was great. And, you know, it's amazing. And this is all within the first hour. Like, what? Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, what's great about these fish is they can become – I put a lot of time in. I put five years on this river. So, while it is 
can be iffy because of the tides and everything, they do become predictable. Like I know where they're at now. It's if I can get them to bite, but I know they're going to be due to the tide, due to how, uh, how much water's above their head, where they're going to be hiding at and kind of their reactions. So I had five, nothing over two pounds. And this is, I mean, this is pre-spawn. I'm looking for giants pretty much only. Normally I'm a numbers guy. I just want to feel that rod bend, but pre-spawn, I want big fish. So I continue down the way and uh, I noticed that the water was going out, but where the sun was positioned, there was like no cover in this one area except for this very small dock. And it was casting a sh I think we lost him. Let's see if he gets back in. Oh, there you are. Okay. So you said there was a dock and it was casting the shat. Oh, yeah. So he was casting that. a shadow. Um, and I know two years prior, the guy who owns the dock, he's got a big, like, 40-foot bay liner. So he just dredged out a big hole so oh, his okay, new boat yeah. could fit in there. So I knew it had deep water. There wasn't a lot of cover. But as that tide's dropping down, they start to bottom-orient more because they're feeling, you know, kind of their world shrinking down a little bit. And he had cover from the, from the, uh, from the dock. So I just threw a cast, just dead center, as close as I can to the man-made, you know, the bulkhead of where the dock would stick out at. And, uh, man, this thing hit it like a ton of bricks. And I went what for a ride. ride. Uh, as always, the flick shake. That's okay. just a, uh, a weighted, wacky worm hook. One-eighths ounce with the six-cents clout worm. I do think, for the most part, all Stanko-style baits are the same, uh, except for that clout worm. It's got hexagonal imprints all around it. And when yeah, you it flick shake cool. it... Yeah, when, when you flick shake it, uh, if you watch it, it it'll hold, but it kind of undulates up and down the entire word. time. Undulate. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I cast it in there. He hit it, uh, or she hit it like a ton of bricks. And I knew instantly, like, this was going to be a bigger fish than the one that I previously lost. Like, you don't normally with bass hear your drag screen, especially on a bait caster. Yeah. She was pulling line. And tugging my whole twelve foot, hundred and something pound kayak with me, with me in it with her. So uh, I got that fish in, broke my PB at six pounds, uh, fifteen ounces, just one ounce shy of seven. Oh. Yeah, and I was in like shock. Like some of the footage shows me. I, I had a really funny comment on on the YouTube channel when I put it up, and they were like, "Oh man, I like it when people fake it," and uh, there was like no faking at all in that i was mesmerized by the size of this fish and then i could get it in and uh yeah i still look i mean i still think about that fish a lot yeah that's a good size fish i mean New yeah. jersey fish don't get that big and that was something i found out after i caught my pb which is sub two pounds right uh, um i was talking to a friend of mine who He's not a bass fisherman per se. He's just a general outdoorsman. And I was like, it's not a big fish, but you know, it's my biggest fish. And he's like, mm -hmm. he's like, no, for the, for central Jersey, that's a solid fish. You won't, yeah. you, you, it'll, you'll be hard pressed to find much over three or four pounds. in central. They're, they're in there somewhere, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it's tough to put quality fish mm -hmm. Um, and I will say I'm a little spoiled because on this river in the five years that I fished it, I've caught two six pounders 
at least 15 fives and over 34s off this one little area. It's just an insane fishery. But uh, I brought her in again. I was amazed by this fish. Um, a real good reason to have a GoPro during all of this, especially for new folks, is that you get to cherish these moments. Like I got so many very candid shots of me just in awe of this beast of a fish that I brought in. This is something I've worked for at that time for five years to get a fish of that caliber. Um, and it was just amazing. It was awesome. Um, I let her go. And, and, and normally that's where like a story would end. That's a great trip. But then the, uh, the, the trip got better into where like the very next cast, um, I happened to be moving the kayak, pedaling the kayak, and I saw a swirl. And uh, what's funny is the footage, again, you can hear me call it. I'm like, there's a fish right there. And I cast it in and I hooked another big in. Now I lost this one again, just like I lost the big one before. And I think this one was like the same size. So potentially that was like 10 pounds of fish that I left in the water because I didn't want to use my net. Because homeboy can't use a net. Exactly. So, (laughs) um, but I was still on cloud nine and I'm like, I'm going to give it one more shot down this one canal. And uh, I was able to call six fish in a row. Like I called, I had the video footage where I'm like, I called my shot six times in a row and pulled out six over two, somewhere between two and four pound bass at six spots. Like I made six casts, six fish. It was utterly insane. Like that you, day, I think I ended with like 15 bass. And you said it earlier that you put in five years, mm-hmm. five years of fishing time to get to that yeah. point to where you could, even though the fish move around a lot in this area, mm-hmm. you could still pattern them. Um, yes. When you lost that first fish, Mm-hmm. what was going through your mind? Well, I, I was like, you're an idiot. Like, uh, it, it, there's nothing I could have done on that one. He's, I mean, so there was something. I, I, I noticed my hook set was, so normally, you know, like when you're fishing a wacky rig, right? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of do almost like a reel in and let the hook. So I did that. And I did it. The tiniest of hook sets. When you're dealing with a bigger fish, and especially with the weighted, because that weight whack does a counterbalance, and it'll start to, like, make a bigger hole in that fish's mouth, or it'll start to just pry it out. So you really got to drive it home, especially on the bigger fish, because their jawline is bigger, right? So when you're getting the little ones, and you get them off the side of the mouth, you're getting through that skin and that, that cartilage stuff real easy. When you get the bigger ones, they have a thick jawline, and you've got to mm-hmm. be able to drive that hook into it. So my fault there was... I didn't hook set hard enough, but in my head though, I'm thinking you're an idiot. Um, that could have been your PB. Like, I didn't know how big it was looking back at the footage. Um, it was definitely like in a five pound range. So it wouldn't have broken my PB, but I know that this time of year, if something big hits, it's got a potential in that area to bust your PB wide open, like easily. Cause these fish aren't pressured. They don't see a lot of bass fishermen. Everybody where I'm at fishes for striped bass. The, yeah. uh, the, saltwater component to this right mm-hmm. but but like most of them don't even know like when i talk to the uh part of me putting in the five years of work worth of work too is me talking with the people that live back there uh because it is a residential area with a canal system is mainly where i fish back there i talked to them they didn't even know they had these giants in there wow. like there's giant crappie there's giant bass like they go every once in a while there's a little pickerel i've also caught like five to six pound pickerel back there too like there's monsters. Good size pickerel. Nobody touches them. So 
that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, I screwed this up. This is my opportunity to bust my PB. And uh, I screwed it up. And it took me, even when I caught, I eventually caught my PB, I was still a little defeated. Like before I made that cast, I was like, I screwed this up. Because during that spawn time, that, that pre-spawn, the conditions that I had were so perfect. Like it mm -hmm. was warm, but it wasn't too warm. It, the sun was out, but it was cloudy. Like it was like, and the tide was perfect. It was perfect conditions and I thought I screwed it up. So did it change the way you were fishing after that? Because I find that when I do miss a fish, I tend to not get, well, yeah, get frustrated and I fish mm -hmm. a little faster just because yeah. of that frustration. So did it change yep. the way you were fishing? Well, I, I would say because I have fished for a while, I felt myself starting to fish fast. And uh, normally when that happens, I, I'll take a minute. Like I just backed off from the spot. Um, I took myself like 10 minutes sitting quietly in the boat, telling myself to slow down. Like you're not going to catch more fish doing it that way. You got to, it's all muscle memory, right? You got to mm -hmm. recreate that presentation over and over in high percentage spots. And you'll learn those high percentage spots over time. But as long as you can get that presentation down and just repeat it over and over, you're giving yourself the best shot. So the only thing I really changed was for the better. I realized that I, I'm out here fishing for giants, right? So mm -hmm. I need to start swinging and cracking into them like they're big fish, not little one to two pounders. I need to crack into them like they're an almost seven pounder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's a good point. Um, when I always have a hard time when I switch from ultralight fishing back to bass fishing mm -hmm. because the hook set is much different. Yeah. When I'm ultralight fishing, even if I do do hook into like a half pound bass, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very different hook set. All I'm doing is lifting the rod up when I'm Correct. ultralight fishing. But when I'm bass fishing, I'm trying to like set the hook for yes. very hard. Like um essentially the way I like to do it is if my rod is down, I'm pulling it like I'm trying to pull the seatbelt as far out as I can. It's about um, right. Yeah. To get that that effort and momentum to to especially when I'm switching with um when I'm fishing with with stout hooks. Mm -hmm. So that that's a very good point that you know if you're fishing for big fish you got to set the hook like you're fishing for big fish. And, and, and that only means I think with the single hook I don't want people to get yeah, confused. Yeah, not with like, trebles. Think, exactly with trebles you're going to want a sweep hook mm -hmm. with those let let all those sharp points do the work. And, um, and you'll get it. But I, I think the big one too, is making sure you get that, that slack out of the line, mm -hmm. right. When you're going to set big, especially with a bait caster, like you're going to want to, and, and during that time, specifically like the pre-spawn and spawn there, they, they can be kind of finicky. So you want to do it quick. Like as soon as you feel weight, get that slack out. There's, there's so many times I, I should find all the footage. I save all the GoPro footage. I should find the footage of all the times where I've almost impaled myself in the face setting oh. the hook on on nothing yeah. right where i set it it comes flying back at my head like i could probably put a whole reel but you know hook sets are free so might as well yeah. otherwise you can miss a big one because the big one that i got that day i felt her thump it and then you could tell where i hooked her that she had when i set the hook she was in the process of trying to spit it out, out. yeah yeah yep. yeah and and one person that i've actually been studying just to see if i can improve my hook sets is uh carlos Low star yes. kayak fishing because he has, you know, if if hook sets were like, you know, baseball swings, he's up there with one of the best. 
because he yeah. sets the hook like nobody's business. But that comes from him knowing his rods and knowing what they do. Because if you talk right. to him when he's setting the hook, it looks like he's trying to send these fish into the next county, but right. he just knows how his rod loads up. Absolutely. So and it also depends on the bait too. Like, again, uh-huh. you don't like if, if, if you're setting with a swim jig, that's totally different than setting the hook on a Texas rig. They're yep. both two different hook sets, but they both have to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's just how you kind of employ it. Yep. Yep. No, man. And I, and I understand that frustration. I always like to say that, um, being in the out, being an outdoorsman, a hunter or an angler is an exercise in managing your frustrations. Because mm-hmm. when you're out there, it's either you're missing fish or you're tangling your line, you're breaking off, mm-hmm. what have you. But being able to stay focused and, you know, be out there and enjoying what you're supposed to be doing is managing that frustration. Because you can go out there and you could have went home after that one. You yep. literally could. And I'm sure you probably thought about it. You probably were like, oh, man, what the heck? <laughs> That, that I'm right. not there's no way I'm getting another fish like that today blah mm-hmm. blah blah depending on how much time you had left if if that would have happened like cuz I cuz um I know you have a little limited amount of time when you do get to go out you can't spend right. all day out there if that would have happened in like the last 30 minutes I would have been gone exactly I, I, I would have called in cuz honestly at that point I had already caught in five fish like that's mm-hmm. a limit like I I I for me for me, my first goal when I go out every time is to catch a fish. Mm-hmm. And then the next goal is to catch five fish and then to try to size up from there. Right. That's just yeah. kind of um, my mind frame when I go out. Um, and at that point I already had my five, like I could have, th- thank God it was only in the first hour. I had three hours to fish that day that included a half an hour transit each way. So yeah, thank God I stayed like, cause that ended up being a, just a banner fish and just a, an, an excellent banner fishing day. Like, yeah, man. Um, so th- that's on. That's that's a great story. Um, I had a feeling it was going to be your PB catch, <laughs> just because. I mean, you know, who, who doesn't like a good PB story? Um, Dude, the whole thing I think is awesome, especially for new folks. Like, and, and you you kind of mentioned it because I mentioned it. Like, I've been putting work into that river. I've been putting work into like learning those fish, and I only started doing this in 2016. Like, folks can get there. You don't mm-hmm. like. Like I didn't grow up bass fishing. I fished for I fished power bait for trout, or we would serve, you know, cut bait on the bottom for halibut. Like this was mm-hmm. a whole new thing to me. And putting in that work, you will get the results eventually. It might not happen right away. It might take some seasons. It might take some years, depending on where you live too. Uh, you know, if you ice up over the year, you're kind of out of the game. But uh, it, it will happen. You put the work in, it's going to give you results eventually. Yeah, definitely. So when what was one thing that you wish you knew when you started uh yeah specifically when it comes to fishing i wish i would have focused on the principle of top middle bottom i wish i would have focused on three baits only a top bait a middle of the column bait and a bottom of the column bait um i dumped so much money into baits that i never used they're still sitting in a box yeah uh, i and, and even some of them I should know better too, right? Like I, jackhammers that just came out. I spent what felt like was a mortgage payment on jackhammers and they're still sitting in a box. Like they just weren't for me. I like overdid it. Um, it wasn't until really like three, two, three years ago that I started simplifying my fishing 
to, uh, I know I need to learn more baits and I, and I will get there, but to really get comfortable with like two to three baits to where I can throw those anytime. And I know that I'm doing the best to put myself in the best situation basically. So yeah, the, the biggest thing is like trying to figure out your top middle bottom. And honestly, I don't even fish a lot of top water. So mm -hmm. maybe find two middle of the columns or two bottoms and then do one of the other kind of deal, like a moving bait, a slow dragging bait, and then one that works in the middle. That wacky worm weighted doesn't take so long to drop, but I count that as a middle to bottom spectrum uh, with that bait. Yeah. Would you say that's your your middle your favorite middle column bait? No, swim jig's my favorite middle column gotcha. bait altogether. Yeah, like the, the two that I'm the most comfortable with is that wacky weighted worm. I will throw that thing anywhere that I can get away with it. It could even be thick cover. And just because I've used it so much, I've learned what the feel to where you can keep that thing floating on top of the grass. Mm -hmm. And then uh, within the last year, year and a half, I've become a swim jig fanatic. I love those things. You obviously know, but anybody else who yeah. follows any of my stuff, I throw that thing. I, I always at least have two, possibly three of those things tied on. Yeah, I mean, I saw you throwing them and catching with, um, what was it? Beast Coast Fishing Swim Jigs. And yeah, I went the out, Gorilla Swim Jig. Yeah, I went out and literally put an order, I think like a few days afterwards, and got those myself like four or five of them. Best jigs out there too, because you can They're throw really that good. stuff in straight garbage. Mm -hmm. And it comes out clean and I've caught in fish in like the dirtiest, just clumps of crap. And that fish, I'll take the fish and the five pounds of salad out with it. No bent hook. The only problem I've had was uh, last month I had a pickerel tear out the, uh, the weed guard. That was the first time that's ever happened to me. Wow. Yeah. Well, those are some toothy critters, aren't they? They are. You want to hear a funny story? Um, so we didn't have like uh, as a kid we fish for trout and things like that right mm -hmm. we never stuck our hands in the fish's mouth because it was some beautiful trout and how dare you yeah, you, you gotta, gotta, wet, you gotta hands. wet your hands yeah you gotta wet the hands i've gotta like lay down fresh goat's milk uh for me to be able to release this fish properly <laughs> right so i started bass fishing and uh i was like oh, i just i see the guy shove my hand in there that's awesome right yeah. So I'm out fishing with a buddy. This is right when I got my kayak too. And I caught my first pickerel and I was jacked. I was excited. Got that thing on the boat. And as soon as I put my hand down, my buddy starts yelling, don't lip them. And I tried to lip a pickerel and I ended up, he took a giant chunk out of my thumb. Uh, and that's the only pickerel I've ever eaten. That was the first pickerel I ever caught. And the first and only one I'm going to eat because I said, listen, you got a part of me. Now I'm going to get a part of you. So he was a good size too. He's like a two to three pound pickerel. So nice. How'd you cook he ate well, uh, just on the barbecue, just, we did an old school style. Like we wide bone the meat out. Yep. And then we built a, uh, with tin foil, build like a boat. This is like my family's recipe for any fish. Um, so you build the boat out of it, right. You just kind of encase it. And then for the fish itself, you cut slits in it, put tiny things of uh, butter and then salt and dill over the top. Dill. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, but he was, he was good. He was a little bony. Uh, and I mean, I had a scar on my, my thumb forever. You'll never forget. He just, Peter I put the my pickle. hand in there and he just went all the way across. And when he oh. got towards the end, he held like he had gotten the top one on top of my nail mm -hmm. and he was holding on to it while he's flopping. So yeah. 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 Don't lip a pickerel. Nope. 
Nope, definitely won't be. I don't even that. do that thing. You know how guys will like hold them underneath the gill plate? I'm even scared to do that now. I'm such a wuss. Because oh, on I the pick roll? <laughs> yeah, I'm such a wuss. That now I just like grip them as tight as I can, even though they're super slimy. Uh-huh. Get my picture. And I mean, you see my videos, right? Where most of the time he just flops out of the boat because I'm so much of a, a wuss with it now. But no, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a rough, that's a rough uh, outing, especially for your first pick roll. Um, yeah. But at least you ate them. It was awesome having you on, man. Um, Thank you, Thanks man. for jumping on with me. I know you got a lot going on. Um, so, yeah, the next you know few minutes is yours. Plug whatever you want. Where can people find you? Um, and feel free to plug any of your sponsors, things like that. Yeah, man. So, I, again, thank you so much. Super honored to be the, uh, the first guest, maybe. Uh, I don't know how you're going to edit it. We'll find out. But uh, the first recording, uh, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you personally. Like we've been bouncing ideas off each other for like nine months now. And I really appreciate it. Um, you can find me at Swamp Rat Fishing at YouTube. There is a lack of videos out right now. That's due to some life uh, issues. But what you can find over at Swamp Rat Fishing is the live stream of the podcast I do, which is the Bass and Brews Fishing Podcast. So live streams there, or you can get the podcast anywhere uh, the audio version, anywhere where podcasts are at. Uh, we release on Fridays. It'll be nice and uh, early. Uh, this is not, my podcast is not as nice and structured as uh, Ramon's. <laughs> um, if you have kids around or small animals, you probably don't want them nearby. Um, and then shout out to Hookset Hoodlums. Hookset, go to hooksethoodlums.com. Uh, they are an angler-owned company. They are, there's some huge things, huge, huge things uh, coming up soon. Like 2022 is going to be a big year for for hooks at hoodlums. So make sure you head over there if you want. You can use discount code Swamp Rat Fishing, all one word. Save yourself some uh, scratch. Sweet man, thanks. Um, yeah, go check it. Go check him out. He's Swamp Rat Fishing on everything that he's on TikTok, That's Instagram, it. LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can too. find him on LinkedIn. Petty Officer Swamp Rat. And, That's it. <laughs> and yeah, man. Thanks again. Yeah.